Are you ready to begin? I am. All right. Hey. Hi. <laughs> it's Sad Girl Syllabus, a commentary on media through the ages. Each season, we have a new syllabus to dive into. I'm Bethany. And I'm Mary. And we're two girls. Too sad. Let's jump into the syllabus. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to bring some energy, Bethany. <laughs> Mary's carrying this one. <laughs> like i'm gonna overperform on this because i feel dead inside um (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's like everybody right now yeah um yeah coming at you on february 26th 2022 so that that's pretty much all you need to know um (laughs) that I just said to Mary a a few seconds ago, a few moments ago, last week's episode about Vietnam and the whole Pluto return transit aged really well. So good for astrology. Yeah. This is why people need to study astrology. I think I will fully shill astrology at anybody (laughs) at any time. When is astrology sponsoring this podcast? (laughs) When are you going to get all of astrology? The celestial beings to sponsor this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, right now, Venus and Saturn are sponsoring this podcast. (laughs) Um, We need to get the moon on board. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm glad that we've made it to the end of season three. Yeah, I can't believe this is the last episode. This has been our longer episode seasons mm-hmm. um and longer episodes and probably the most robust that we've done on a single topic so far mm-hmm. but yeah it's the end of season three and we're ending it by not ending it <laughs> we're ending it on endlessness the endlessness of u.s war and imperialism this is no this, like now women at war sad wives during wartime women's roles during wartime right now and and this episode is all about like contemporaneous um yeah uh media around wartime we're talking a lot about films made about the afghanistan war um and immediate aftermath of 9-11 war um but also but now it's like we're not we were doing a sort of historical commentary mm-hmm. and now we are primary source material <laughs> Which is a great um, serving the mission of history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, there's oh, who's who's I can't. Was this Oscar Wilde said, may we live in interesting times? Sure. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think so. Um, which is which is pretty funny. And um, I guess arguably one I could see an argument saying that that's like a privileged toast or whatever um, a privileged thing to say, because it's like it's not really that fun to live in interesting times. Um, but, you know, it it serves um, the purpose of I think that it's I I do think that it's important to be making commentary mm-hmm. um, as things are happening, because it ha- because that ends up being one small piece to the puzzle for people decades from now. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm just like stunned. Truly. I'm just like stunned that we're making this episode. I know. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. Like I have notes, we've done research, but I feel like so sort of overwhelmed and, um, not really, I mean, I know we're making commentary, but I feel like my, my brain is elsewhere, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I think that it's important to, or I think that it's like a sign of strength to be able to hold both of those things, to be able to be like, well, yeah, my brain is mush. Um, but also like 
I do think that probably one of the most powerful things is to like continue to uh, contribute thoughts and insight yeah. into things because it's um, it's really important. To, I mean, history is really important. Any kind of like um, analyzing of like media, I I truly believe is important. I mean, I um, I think that it humanities based work. Um, is just as is just as valuable a contribution to society as the engineering or something you know like I do I do really think so yeah and there was you know in a weird way it was kind of nice to like do this research for this episode um, because there it allowed some removal from current headlines you know like I mm -hmm. was able to take a step back and look at a, a bigger picture I guess mm -hmm. um, and in that way, like emotionally, it was odd. It's been an odd time, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but it did like kind of give some clarity, I guess, to me. Yeah, yeah. Totally personally, not in any larger sense, but yeah. I would agree because I think that there is such a the the like global crisis social media cycle is mm -hmm. so predictable now. It's like, you know immediately on social media, you like are shocked by what's going on. I mean, we don't even have the luxury of like waiting eight hours to see the headline the next morning, you know, like if like the New York Times headline about Russia's invasion into Ukraine, like that happened in real time in America on Wednesday night. And the New York Times headline came out on Thursday morning. And so you didn't even have, but like now in a time of like constant social media, um, broadcasting, you don't have that luxury of like sleeping eight hours in ignorance. Um, like you just, before you, if, if you logged on to TikTok that night, before you went to bed, like your for you, the for you page, like showed you a Ukrainian soldier's TikTok video about like them dancing on the front lines, you know, like it's like, it's, it's, uh, cognitive dissonance. It's like really intense. And so you have that like shocking whatever. And then you have people, then you have like a day of social media, like, disturbing images and facts and figures to like raise awareness or whatever. And then the next day too is like social media becomes a mall of like several charities to donate to yeah. and like, which I'm critical of these charities popping up immediately because it feels like too soon, mm -hmm. like too mm -hmm. quick at least. Well, it's hard to affect, to check facts on those. I mean, yeah. in all of the social media stuff, it's yeah. like, wait, is this real? Then it gets reported on, and then we find out, oh, actually, um, all of those facts are somewhat misconstrued. Right, um, right. So, yeah, with the charity stuff, it is really difficult. Um, I mean, the same thing happened in the Haitian earthquake, too, mm -hmm, right? Like, mm -hmm. the, there was all of these new charities, and then most, uh, like, a, there was issues with a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it always makes me laugh when, like, influencers are... They're like, I've vetted these charities myself so you can trust this. And it's like, and what gave you the expertise or authority to like vet? <laughs> like, There's like a high probability that almost all of these are scams. I don't. Yeah. But then and and I don't know. I mean, the whole I think that the this cycle and like the constant noise comes out of a feeling of helplessness. I really do. <laughs> and people just want to people don't really know what to do. But like the thing I feel like as. And we've, again, this is a big theme that has come up on this season. What do you do when there's war and conflict happening elsewhere and mm -hmm. you're like an ocean away? What's, and, and you have access to all the information um, or, you know, whether it's true or, or false information, you still have access to this stuff. And like, how are you supposed to feel? What are you supposed to do? You feel helpless, you feel powerless, but like truly the only thing that you can do in these immediate moments is educate yourself, read and don't, and like, you know, you can't like get your takes from like CNN mainstream media is like too busy trying to compete with Twitter and TikTok in the, for a market share of the attention economy. Like you can't like, like there are people, there are public intellectuals. This is sounds ridiculous, but it's true. There are public intellectuals like on Twitter, on Substack, on like making podcasts who are like, thinking about this stuff and like actively providing insight and have been for a long time right. like there's some really good 
Ukrainian historians, people. I mean, obviously this conflict has been brewing mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not as if this is a new, a new development, right? Right. Um, fully multiple, you know, over the last few months, everyone definitely said this was about to happen and yeah. then it actually happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are lots of really good sources out there. And I think, you know, obviously you do have to rely somewhat on mainstream media. Um, but for headlines. Yeah. I just don't think that you can get takes. Oh, you like an opinion piece. Yeah. Yeah. And like punditry, I think it's like not. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, it is. Yeah. Like, no, I totally understand what you mean. Um, it is like competing with social media voices. Mm -hmm. Um, to say the most outrageous thing. Yeah. Consuming media now is has been fraught for the mm-hmm. last two mm-hmm. decades, but is um incredibly fraught during these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if you're not consuming it, you're just like being bombarded. Yeah. 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 Like it's just coming at you. It's yeah. like you can barely even interpret what anything means. It just keeps happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's get into it. <laughs> Zero dark, 30, flirty and thriving. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, women at war. Women at war. Yeah. Um, looking at mostly, yeah, post 9-11. U.S. conflict in the Middle East, wars in the Middle East. Keep saying the word conflict, which is like such a euphemism. Um, Right, right. Just playing into the government's hands. Uh, (laughs) And a a time where women in combat roles um, increased like never before. I think it's only still like women in combat slash in the military is like 16%. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's women in combat roles is like 16%. I think men in combat roles in the military is like 35% <laughs> for all military. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's still the minority by far, um, but it's a huge increase from pre 9-11. You know, I should have, I should have suggested this before we like did our week of research, but army wives that show. Oh my. Yes. I feel like the, are the army wife, not just that show, but just like the concept of the army wife has, um, (laughs) become like a character for sure in reality television on social media, like in the last, I don't know what, 15 years, 20 years, I guess. Yeah. Since 9-11. Um, it's a very weird, thing yeah it's uh there's a lot of influencers too yeah like it's uh in the same vein as the cottage core influencers who mm-hmm. are like being civil war army wives <laughs> like there are yeah a ton of influencers who are um very patriotic <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah the army wife thing is is interesting and like i i'm i was as you can see with all my notes in the Google doc, <laughs> I was like really trying hard to figure out like, you know, there's like, okay, what is causing this minority of women in combat roles? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things at play. Um, there's obviously like, uh, like sexism. There's obviously like barriers to women entering war. There's, um, and we can, and we'll touch on this when we talk about the Catherine Bigelow movie. Um, <laughs> like women are mainly, there's a lot of women in the strategy, a lot more, I think women in strategic roles mm-hmm. and also like engineering, like STEM roles in the military. Um, a lot of women in intelligence roles, things like that. Yeah. And, and then also there's just like, women don't engage in war effort because it is not like women and I understand that there's like a lot of essentializing implications here, but like women can work shit out better than 
in in ways that are better than just fighting it out. You know, right. like I think that women have uh, a proclivity toward diplomacy that would stop them from doing that. How, but also women are like through media, women are conditioned to think that they should be in the army wife role too. Like, I think that there's, there's conditioning in there as well. In my understanding, cause I think in your notes, you bring up, we talked about three guineas again, mm-hmm. um, the Virginia Woolf piece, which is, yeah. Like also putting forward that like women do not start wars um women do not have a proclivity towards wars um but then there was also (laughs) shared i'm sorry (laughs) what was it called the Uh, art of war for women (laughs) it was like a it's like (laughs) (laughs) it's like a self-help book but adapted from sun tzu the art of war for girl bosses for girl bosses right it's totally based like corporate like it's the war of the corporate boardroom not like actually like perfect segue into season four let's just say (laughs) yeah but it's so funny because like I think what I understand you to be saying is that it's not necessarily essentializing but it is a lot of it is um how women are brought up um Mm, but also like virtues that they are taught right um and the the art of war for women is basically saying like you need to take on masculine Mm -hmm. virtues Mm -hmm. right and I mean this in like traditional like yeah feelings of like oh well a man is xyz and like these are good masculine qualities these are virtues yeah um and to be a good man you have x all of these virtues and to be a good woman, you maybe tend toward different virtues. And a lot of times, you know, I love virtue ethics. Um, (laughs) And there's a lot of work that's done in that field about taking these um, previously either criticized, undervalued, underplayed virtues that are considered feminine virtues and being like, actually, these are great virtues, like, you know, really exploring them and being like, "Mm, these are virtues that everyone should have. Like, right. Right. If we tended to more towards these virtues, we'd have, um, a more peaceful society. We'd have better communication. We, um, value kindness over dominance, you know, like things like that. We value community over individualism. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of these virtues and, Look, that's a whole other topic of that, but that's kind of what I was thinking a lot about is that, um, values that women are often brought up with, especially in the United States and speaking from a United States perspective, conflict with the values you need to carry as a combat soldier. Right. Right. For the U S army. Yeah. And if you take, um, and if you take the identity out of it, Mm -hmm. um the people who like it doesn't like yeah this doesn't have to be an essentializing conversation but if you take the identity out of it like the people who are in the domestic sphere um are the ones who have a lot of strategic strength and power in diplomacy and so Mm -hmm. um and and there does exist again it doesn't it doesn't matter who is doing what like this isn't things are there are things that are like settled in like outside of a domestic sphere that are settled in like a non-diplomatic di- diplomatic way. <laughs> right. And um and like inside a domestic sphere they are you know like inside of a sphere of like you have to keep the home um nurturing and like you can't like I don't know there's just there are ways that humans settle shit and yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, you can, uh, my main point there, I mean, this, it gets a little bit too abstract, but, um, but my main point is like, it, it, it doesn't matter like who's doing what it's, it's about like how, like the space, the social setting in which the conflict is taking place. And there are, there are certain values and they are just more conditioned toward, or women are, are conditioned in those values yeah. more than men, yeah. maybe. I think so. Um, and yeah, sorry. I do have to go back to this, the art of war for women. 
<laughs> because the Goodreads that we we're looking at, and I don't, I don't understand Goodreads. I, the main synopsis, which is also a review, maybe from someone, because it's like very, oh, yeah, um, op eddy. Um, yeah. There's this. It's a yeah. That's why art of war is particularly appropriate for women. Let's face it, as intelligent and accomplished as we may be, there are very few of us who are comfortable with direct confrontation or situations where our triumph means someone else's defeat. We are natural negotiators and problem solvers. Most of us prefer win-win situations to those in which winner takes all. I am lost because, well, I understand that, yeah, women are often conditioned to not be confrontational and that can be a bad thing in what world is being a good negotiator and a problem solver and going for win-win solutions rather than dominating everyone else around you and enjoying their defeat (laughs) how is that a bad thing I know yeah why would you want to follow this yeah yeah and I think that there's forever going to be situations where um, things are just settled in terms of like who wins and who loses. I think that that is just a fact of life. And, um, it's not any, that's not any better, any more powerful or any stronger than negotiating and finding strategic ways to like come to peace with things like it's and and whether you want to put a masculine feminine label on either of those um conflict outcomes that at the end of the day that doesn't really matter for the purposes of like uh like superficial labeling like the feminine is not any less the feminine way of dealing with conflict is not any less than a masculine way of dealing conflict dealing with conflict. And, um, but again, I just don't like, you don't have to necessarily put masculine feminine label on that. Um, there's power in negotiating. There's power in diplomacy as much as there is power in just like naming a winner and a loser. Um, right. And yeah. it does seem that a lot of, a lot of conflict could be solved with yeah. better, um, more, more of an interest in in diplomacy and negotiation um more of an eye to it towards it rather than yeah like a winner takes all situation yeah um and uh, laughing in the face of your enemy's defeat i just looked at the uh at the synopsis i just glanced at it and saw in the in the penultimate paragraph it's like this is not a feel-good book but you will you will feel good after reading it (laughs) It is not a motivational book, but you will be motivated to achieve what you want once you are done. It's. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, no, I hate it. <laughs> I think that there's also like, I also um, have always felt this way about like, again, I don't think that masculine and feminine labels like really mean anything, but I do mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of merit to be able to say like the feminine is the one like the feminine as like the life bringer the like the the nurturer and it doesn't matter who like as and what individual person what gender identity they express but like the feminine like as the nurturer as the caregiver the life bringer like that is um why do you have to throw that away like why do you have to like be a girl boss (laughs) Like you can like, you know, be, and, and ultimately that has, that's something deeper that relates to this whole thread that we've been following this whole season about like women taking care of the home and like, uh, and, and waiting at home and like being like those bitches in cold mountain, Renee and Nicole, (laughs) like they were running the homestead and that was powerful. And, um, that's as as powerful and as messy in some cases as fighting in the trenches. <laughs> um, which when you, when you sent me this morning, the text about brothers. Oh my God. And I was just like, Oh my God, Natalie Portman again. Yes. Natalie. <laughs> whose husband has died at war. And it's just like this idea that like, she has to be taken care of. Like, okay. yeah, and thanks for taking care of her while I was gone. <laughs> That's 
definitely sounds like Tobey Maguire. Um. <laughs> oh, and, and again, like women are just this like scapegoat for like, okay, we need to like make some human drama, a human interest piece. And so like, let's just pretend that women need to be taken care of and need to have a man around the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh, fidelity, infidelity, love, romance. They thought he was dead. I know, as did as did uh Elsa in Casablanca. Right. So it happens. Yeah, chill out. As I'm sure did Clytemnestra thought that Agamemnon was dead, so it's fine. She didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Penelope probably was like, actually, I don't even really like Odysseus that much. Like but I hate these dudes, these other dudes more. Yeah. <laughs> just like, leave me alone. I just want to do my fiber arts. I think that talking about like diplomacy and uh, diplomacy versus like brute force is an interesting segue to talk about um, Zero Dark Thirty, because you mm. made a comment about like torture. Torture is good. Women are good at torture. I mean, that is the thesis of this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. They like question it for like two seconds in the movie. You have one character who's like, I can't do this anymore. But Jessica Chastain does not give a shit. She does at the uh, very beginning. She like has to shield her face and then she like gets over it. And then she's over it. Yeah. yeah. And she- she's like, no, I can take it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's like, do you want to wait in the other room? She's like, no, I'm strong. I'm tough. I love to torture. Um, that's what it, it does feel like. And then you have like, yeah. right. They have clips of Obama being like, we're not torturing anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. that's done. That's the, the um, we're ending that. Mm-hmm. And all of the CIA is like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> she's like god making my job so much harder but there's no question that like the movie presents it like torture works yeah that's how the movie presents which actually we kind of know that torture doesn't really work um but yeah but but the yeah no ethical questions really presented in the movie i feel like no absolutely not or even of the u.s you know being over there like Mm -hmm. definitely not um it's uh, you know one thing i forgot to look up before starting this <laughs> how much money the u.s military gave Catherine bigelow to make this movie. <laughs> good question because <laughs> it is like yes this is tough this is hard only the only the strong can do it and it makes it gritty but i would say it is glorifying Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fully propaganda in terms of like, look how amazing um, we look, what good job we did. Yeah. CIA um, definitely helped fund. Oh my gosh. And I mean, um, why am I surprised? But wow. Right. There was a lot of uh, drinks and nights out with Bigelow and uh, the writer Mark Bull. Hmm. it is um, in. So, yeah. So in the movie, right, Jessica Justine's character is a CIA agent um, based in Pakistan trying to she's like very obsessed with this one lead who she believes is like the career for bin Laden or bin, like bin Laden's associates um, and thinks can link them to him. Um, and they've been looking, you know, for basically like 10 plus years at this point for bin Laden. Um, and she's like the only one who believes in this lead and she like doggedly pursues it no matter the ends kind of. Um, so it is like the story of like, usually she is portrayed as like the lone woman in the room mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, the only person like this sort of rugged individual, I would say like a very kind of like masculine story, like traditionally mm-hmm. masculine story on that. Um, She's also completely isolated. And then she does have one friend. She makes one friend in the CIA who dies Mm -hmm. in a suicide bombing. Um, And to me, (laughs) 
<laughs> I also feel like this movie stipulates <laughs> that Bin Laden was killed from female friendship. <laughs> this is, is her only friend. Like that is, it's just like her, basically her one friend. She dies. She gets motivated by that death, right? She gets motivated yeah. by that death and it comes back and she's like, I, you know, my friends have been killed like because of this, like I'll not rest. And uh, <laughs> I laughed out loud when you, when I saw your notes on that. <laughs> The Bechdel test. Catherine Bigelow was out to ace it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Catherine Bigelow, what's going on? What is going on with this career? Sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't look this up, but and I didn't watch it, but Blue Steel? She made um, Blue Steel, right? I don't think so. She I did she- um, Point Break. Oh, she did do Blue Steel. She did do Blue Steel? Yeah. Blue Steel. Okay, you're right. Sorry. I'm thinking, I was thinking of okay. that surfing movie. <laughs> A different, I was like, no, the surfing movie is point break. Um, <laughs> Are you thinking of Blue Crush? Was, yes. I was like, she did not do Blue Crush. <laughs> she um, is a fat. I mean, like, what is yeah. going on? Catherine Bigelow yeah yeah it's to me it's it's uh like okay so I know that we reached the height of like girl boss culture um in like 2016 ish Mm -hmm. but girl boss culture has been precipitating since the 90s of course since like the square shoulder pads uh, (laughs) uh, that women wore in the 80s you know like women had to be the man so they had to have big shoulders anyway um and I think that there's I think that Catherine Bigelow um yeah like is plays a major part in this where it's just like women like she wants to make women men her women characters are very like Again, I think we're not saying this is essentializing, but that is what she's going for. Like these yeah. like male characteristics, like that is what they usually inhabit. That's even the case in Point Break. Um, yeah. Where there's like a side female character that both of them love. I mean, Point Break is a great movie <laughs> and it is a love story between Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. But... <laughs> because i was like when did this like military interest start because i forgot that Catherine bigelow also did hurt locker right oh yeah um yeah she has a lot of movies where it involves either army or police and then i was like when but i forgot that point break is the fbi you know like who cares if these guys are robbing banks (laughs) who cares right right exactly um I think it's great. She also, I just, it's so funny to like, again, think of this like um, soft and hard binary, mm-hmm. whatever. And like, and to also think that like Catherine Bigelow, it, like I loved, I love imagining her as being like this like total girl boss, like girl boss energy where she's just like, well, James Cameron is over there making a love story about Titanic and I'm <laughs> doing the Lord's work talking about women in combat um <laughs> like i love that opposition <laughs> that opposition <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah no she's like <laughs> disappointing to me she is disappointing yeah. yeah i i agree i agree and i did fall asleep watching zero dark 30 <laughs> it's long it is a long movie yeah i um I think I fell asleep right around like maybe 15 minutes after the friend dies in the suicide bombing. <laughs> and yeah. And then was, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, well, it's funny, this idea of like female friendship. <laughs> Cause they're like, um, they're messaging during. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's, the informants coming to meet her. And that's when her friend dies. And they're like, are you talking to him yet? Like, 
Oh, so exciting. I know the aim chat. <laughs> it's really kind of a surreal inclusion. It is, it is. And it's fully a device to like build up the suspense. Once she start, once right. what so I feel like I think like in the scene in that movie is basically like Jessica Chastain's friend is has a lead. She she lures an informant, um, this uh a Pakistani doctor to come to a CIA base, um, some undisclosed site. She she gets him to come and she thinks that he's gonna inform on bin Laden and they're gonna it's gonna lead them one step closer to finding bin Laden. And um and she doesn't want to spook him. She takes pains to say like, okay, stand down. Don't search him. Mm -hmm. Don't search his car. And that is definitely a foreshadowing device to be like, uh Oh, like this is one you've left yourself vulnerable, but, and, and that's kind of like obvious as a foreshadowing device. But even then it became obvious to me when they showed this like chat of Jessica Chastain, like chatting with her being like, what's up? Are you talking like, okay, message me when you get a chance. I was just like, Oh, this is the here we know that yeah. that is going to happen. <laughs> and uh, I didn't bother to fact check this. I assumed that I assumed that they were real. Um, the movie does begin with nine eleven calls and messages. Right, right. Also, like mostly to voicemails and you know, like not being yeah. answered and yeah. like black box stuff, um, which I thought was so manipulative and gross. It is. It is. Yeah. Ugh. And, and yeah, a very similar kind of device of like left there waiting, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, I think that, um, again, and I talked about this with like, uh, with regard to World War II, um, you have this, there's, there's such an anxiety that comes along with, um, in a time where you have so much, you have access to constant communication basically and as you (laughs) get more and more um like you have more and more instantaneous communication Mm. and that can bring heavy heavy anxiety when a message doesn't go through I remember (laughs) this is like super personal but I remember as like a young child um I used to get really scared when my mom would leave me alone at home and um and I mean, I was old enough to like be left alone at home, like whatever, but I would get this like crippling anxiety. Like if it would start, like say she would be out running errands and it would start to rain mm-hmm. and I would just like hear like <laughs> a storm raging outside. And like, somehow I would think that like my mom not answering her cell phone meant that she was like in a car crash or something, but it's just like, right. you know, and, and, um, I think that, but I, I think that that is like a unique anxiety of now of having th- this like mass communication. And so people definitely use that to manipulate a viewer in a movie. Um, it's very cinematic to be like, okay, like the chat is being left unanswered, whatever. Um, and yeah, you get the sense that like, um, yeah, ever since that, or ever since that moment or from that moment on in the movie, you get a sense that Jessica Chastain is just like avenging her friend's death. I can't believe they did that because you already know that like, actually she says this at the end, but you already get the sense. It's like, she is, it's sort of, I guess I would say like the hero's journey, right? Like she's completely alone. Yeah. She's talented, more kind of more talented than everyone else, or at least sees things yeah. that other people don't see and is very determined. And at the end, after she has completed the quest, she's alone. And has nowhere to go. Yeah. Recruited out of high school and has only been working on trying to find Bin Laden. Yeah. Oh. Um, and they're like, at the end, it's like, where do you want to go? And she's like, doesn't know. Whoa. Yeah. Because I think, which I think is supposed to be sad. Like, I think you're supposed to feel sad for her, but you're also sp- like, I think the intention behind this is th- the movie is that you're also supposed to be like proud of her like her like you know like feel like she really accomplished something and instead it's just like wow that's how it many lives are devoted to this yeah just like yeah this, you know how how sad that we've created a machine like this mm-hmm. it's like the legend about alexander after he conquered the world he wept because there was 
nothing left to do. Yeah. Nothing left to conquer. Mm -hmm. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole, it's a big, that's a big meta narrative about purpose and Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why you have like all of the classic hero quests mm-hmm. when they complete their hero their quest. They usually become a hermit. I'm sorry, I just thought about vampires again. Um how? Where did we go? <laughs> Until I write my vampire novel, it will forever be on my mind. Um <laughs> I'm plagued. But I was thinking about like the um why vampire as an archetype is really existentially scary because it's just like there is nothing like you Mm -hmm. can accomplish everything and then what do you do and then you can't Mm -hmm. you can't die um like when there is just when you and and which i think is like a big i mean i'm not gonna wax philosophical right now i'm not gonna (laughs) But like, you know, if if time just stretches out before you with no cyclical whatever, if there's just like endless et- eternal stuff before you stuff, but in front of you, then like, that's really what do you, what motivates human spirit and like where your humanity kind of, you lose your hum- humanity if like you're, if you have this like intense goal and then you and then you reach it and then you can't yeah i don't know it's um no yeah i okay spoilers for the series of dune <laughs> um i will say spoilers now because i guess that series is coming out but yeah it is also i will say a series i've never read and have no plans <laughs> to um <laughs> but my family is obsessed uh so i do know what happens in it but in that you do have and i think this is intentional author intentionally did this um fucking timothy chalamet's character (laughs) um (laughs) whatever it is is the hero quest he accomplishes it and then it is like oh actually it's not good to be that kind of person and you're you kind of become evil um and then he becomes a giant worm (laughs) (laughs) did not know that worm I don't think it's going to be in any of the like the second part because it's like way later in the series. But yeah, you but you become something that is not human. So you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the worm. <laughs> okay, then spoilers done. done. You can come back if you were. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I don't think they're going to include that. I think the. All of that stuff I just mentioned happens much farther into the books. So, I mean, I wouldn't hate it if they included that. <laughs> that took such a turn. I'm uh, sorry. No. I, <laughs> yeah, to me, it's just like there are these really archetypal, like old, old, you know, archetypal stories that in, in sort of like some sort of bid or like pandering to equality they just are like well now a woman's doing it and i was like but is that equality when they're awful people (laughs) well well, when they're uh you know supporting this like patriarchal terrible evil yeah everyone has a right to commit war crimes right (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're fighting for yeah yeah it does seem but people it seems like you've like definitely like lost the fucking plot when you're like thinking that it's a triumph that that like well isn't it great that like women are represented in Abu Ghraib torture <laughs> like <laughs> no I yeah I really think that goes through people's well doesn't really go but is involved in people's thinking thinking yeah. in quotes yeah yeah <laughs> lack of thought um yeah, yeah. And it it goes back to that weird um, women in combat essay that I found that was just like talking about, um, yeah, it was the, it was a reflective essay about why aren't there women in combat? Like this is an unequal, bad place. Like the military is bad because women don't have representation (laughs) rather than saying like, 
military is bad because the war is bad. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big folly of identity politics, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, to not, to just be so focused on equal representation or whatever, that then you're just not even thinking about the, the larger picture. People get really myopic. Mm -hmm. I I did want to talk about like the, the bimbo pinup. Oh yeah. Um, like media depicting women like and and thinking sort of about like Barbarella that mm-hmm. kind of like genre or like women superheroes Wonder Woman is like the main archetype I guess right and um and I do sort of love that <laughs> like I do think that it's like pretty um it's pretty funny it's like going in this opposite direction of um like keeping this feminine air, keeping the femininity mm-hmm. and like doing the um, doing the feminine drag. Like you could make yeah. an argument that there's um, that like, oh, a woman in a bustier like fighting criminals. Yeah. <laughs> like you can make the argument that that's like a parody of this kind of like, like, come on, all, all like violent conflict is not the way. Like, right. I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, you could read it that way. Interesting. I, to I think you're right because to me there is always like this element of either when you see those like sort of yeah like like bimbo warrior I guess like mythological or cartoon yeah like they they, they become not realistic in any way, um, and you've you've always had those mythic characters mm-hmm. right the like both extremely feminine and extremely warrior yeah obviously like wait wonder woman's supposed to be an amazon (laughs) right right so so like you have amazons since since we began this podcast in ancient greece (laughs) right right um so you already have that mythology um interestingly i know that the the first wonder woman movie um of this set when that came out they were like, actually, this is an anti-war movie mm. because she's trying to stop war. Mm-hmm. And everyone was trying to feed us that line, but it was like, it's just a war movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a war movie. We see right through it. I gotcha. Well, I was going to say, I think that I brought this up when we were talking about ancient Greece and uh or antiquity Mm -hmm. and i was talking about like how i think it's really funny when people complain about athena being portrayed as feminine and it's just like but what is wrong with that like it is ridiculous to think that like a like it is ridiculous to think that a woman can fight in combat in a bustier but also like probably (laughs) a woman could i don't know (laughs) if athena can do it I can too. <laughs> it's the the <laughs> adage, um, Gene Gene Kelly, ed, everything Gene Kelly did, what's right. her face Rogers, or is it Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly? Um, it's Fred Astaire and, and Ginger Rogers. Ginger Rogers, yeah. Everything Fred Astaire did, Ginger Rogers could do backwards in heels. And in heels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And so anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think in a lot of these like movies and media portrayals, the desire is to be like women are just as tough as men. They're just just as strong. Like da 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 da. Um, and war is the most dramatic um, place to showcase that. Mm-hmm, I guess, mm-hmm. but it's still stupid. It's still <laughs> stupid, and also like again, I don't see the problem with like being um I don't see the problem with not displaying strength and like I don't see the problem or or whatever I don't and and I see a lot of strength in femininity as well yeah um and uh yeah there's like the the there's also like an archetypal image um in like I'm trying to think of a better term than just mixed martial arts because I'm trying to think of a term that addresses like the history of like Mm. sumo wrestling boxing MMA, Muay Thai, you know, that whole like um, fighting, sport fighting. 
mm-hmm. and there's an archetypal image in especially I mean, this is in Memoirs of a Geisha, where you have the geishas um, in the audience as the men are watching the sumo fights. But there's also, and like, and there's always, I feel like in Memoirs of a Geisha, that image is set up to show like sumo wrestlers being strategic and like fighting it out. But then like a geisha has to be strategic and like, like securing, (laughs) securing the bag. (laughs) Um, But then there's also like interesting stuff with, um, like movies that are set in like the 1930s around boxers and there's always like the um sad wife yep yeah <laughs> and it's just like oh my and like watching her husband like like be pummeled be pummeled for money yeah because and it's like a class situation and yeah, yeah and that's especially so when he has to throw the fight <sighs> I was all this time <laughs> those two that binary is set up and I see a place for both of those roles there's the brute Mm -hmm. force and the and the physical strength and then there's like the strength of being like okay if my husband like dies (laughs) in the ring or if he gets seriously injured like there's going to be responsibility to fall on me Mm. Um, and there's a sort of like in in the that archetypal image of the woman um it's just like okay there's a lot of self-reliance here which is inherently as strong yeah i agree (laughs) also interestingly you know we began this story with the odyssey i am drawn back to the fact that like odysseus is not the brute force like he does have Mm -hmm. brute force obviously Mm -hmm. he is he kills lots and lots of people on that but like that's not his strongest yeah he's the riddle riddle solver he's the cunning you know like so it's kind of interesting that even though it's like imbued in all the things we've talking about even from the beginning it's a little more complicated like him and penelope in that way are both cunning you know like Mm -hmm. they are solving their own riddles Mm -hmm. um sort of symmetrically yeah in their own stories well and but it but that is interesting though like agamemnon is the warrior right yeah he is the he is i would say like obviously they're all kings in that story but he Mm -hmm. is like leader king yeah 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 and this um physical physical strength um right and yeah achilles i guess would be in the iliad the like the true brute force but yeah yeah you go out early if that's (laughs) if that's what's up yeah yeah that's also true there's there's if you give it all up and sacrifice everything like you go down a hero that's also an interesting like hero trajectory um like the it's sort of like the curse of being the strategic hero or -hmm. like being a diplomatic or um uh yeah strategic like if, if you will likely preserve your life and you'll also be faced with like a crisis Mm-hmm. of um what to do next where to go next what happens when you've when you've done it and the and the sort of um like epic war glory it's it's sort of like almost no wonder why the epic war glory or the glory reaches the person who like sacrifices his life because then it's just like you've you've done you've given the ultimate for um for victory and triumph and you don't have to and then you don't have to live past that triumph <laughs> kind of thing i think that that is is probably like a primal Mm -hmm. thought in humans yeah (laughs) somehow we ended up back with the ancient greeks (laughs) it all comes back there's that's you yeah that's the point that i was trying to make about like cyclical time (laughs) yeah (laughs) and like everything Everything comes Time back. Time is not linear. Okay. No, absolutely not. Time's a flat circle. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I had too much coffee. It's off the rails today. I guess you um, brought up the sexual assault. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as we talked about, there's women in U.S. military is a small minority and it's an extremely hostile place. Yeah. Yeah women in the military i mean the sexual assault is off the charts 
um, in, I think I linked to that. There's a big New York times magazine, um, article about sexual assault in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did say like, you know, yeah, women are 16%, but it's like one in four women report to being sexually assaulted that serve in the military. And I was like shocked by that statistic. And then I remembered that's actually just the normal statistic for women being sexually assaulted in the U S mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but of that small minority, I mean, that's a huge percentage. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it's just a, a really, it's a violent place for women on all fronts. Um, the women that do, yeah, do serve have these enormity of dangers to them, you know, mm-hmm. like from their fellow soldiers. You know, what's interesting is that I hear a lot of, there's a lot of people who talk about, um, a lot of people who do bring up differences between men and women and mm-hmm. like how men need to work shit out through fighting like and like physical fighting and like they need to work shit out they need to women or excuse me men need to have like glory of triumph and winning whatever like i hear a lot of those arguments from people mm-hmm. who sort of justify or when you make a comment about when anybody makes a comment about like sexual assault violence is real it's dangerous this is a dangerous world for women to live in right now um mm-hmm. and always um or when when you make a comment about like gun violence in um in like a civilian setting um like at schools or or uh mass shootings at any public place people talk there's there's this line of argument that says like well it's because men don't have an outlet for aggression right and we need to be taking care of men in this way and like giving them outlets for aggression if that were true sexual assault would not be happening in the military because the military is the ultimate outlet for aggression because dudes are actually like fighting Mm -hmm. and and yet they're still committing sexual assault right and i have to imagine that this is totally on my own like not supported by anything but i have to imagine that um sexual assault on men in the military is also very yeah. underreported yeah. as it is everywhere but like yeah. very very underreported in those in that situation and i'm sure happening um frequently you know like i just you have to imagine that yeah um it in fact feels like the more you encourage violence the more yeah. violence happens you know yeah, exactly like, uh, the more you're unable to communicate with other people to understand um other people's autonomy as um and to be able to respect that mm-hmm. um to not impose violence on others like i don't know i feel like i'm saying something bad but i just those yeah. lines must get blurred for people you i'm know? sure they do if you're not taught a different way. Yeah. And there's also like, if like you have to believe that there's also like blurred lines in terms of, um, in terms of sexual tension too. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's, um, like, um, yeah, the sexual tension and violence are so interconnected when you're in a context like wartime, like the military. And so it's like, it's, um, uh, of course, unconscionable actions occur when um, when violence is being encouraged and and there's also like any kind of tension being built up. The boys will be boys argument, I don't think um, really holds up. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like it just serves to be this like feedback loop of like confirmation bias, too. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah doesn't hold water uh <laughs> yeah what a weird time oh also um you also sent me last night some oh my god <laughs> the little some little npr <laughs> oh that one sorry i thought we were oh. talking about the Putin's mom thing. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> that was ridiculous. But you know, you know, I did see a great meme that was like, you want celebrities to talk to like speak more about oh conflict. And then this is what fucking happens in celebrities, which is again, yeah, like part of this social media global crisis cycle where it's just like, everybody should be spreading awareness. Like you shouldn't be like, talking about your brand or whatever. And it's just like, there's this over-policing of how people should behave on social media. And then it devolves into that shit where you get like some soap opera actress just like being like, Putin, I wish I was your mom. Ew. That was absolutely nuts. And yeah, it is true. It's like, please do not speak on it. Just like... (laughs) Silencia. Um, Yeah uh why it's unrealistic and that's that's ultimately why it's like futile and unrealistic to like make demands of people on social media it's just like just Mm -hmm. let social media like do its thing and like public intellectuals do exist on social media and you can seek them out and go to them for information anyway um but i was talking about the npr little like sound portraits of oh yeah um of women diplomats in ukraine Mm -hmm. um and and Ukrainian soldiers. I also saw um, a photo. There were there were a lot of stories yesterday circulating about um, civilians being armed mm-hmm. to defend themselves. And there's um, one of the main photos that uh, that kind of went viral was this woman, like who's a, um, I believe she's like a in the STEM field, and she was like in her lab with an AK with like some assault rifle, mm. um, and. Yeah. And it's, and that's less about like women girl bossing their way into war and more about, um, and more about just like having to survival. defend yourself. Yeah. Survival, yeah. Defending yourself. And, um, <sighs> so yeah, I guess we have our answers now <laughs> wondering what women do during wartime and now we now we know yeah i just can't believe that never mind i can't believe it i don't i don't know what i'm saying as i said earlier i was lost (laughs) (laughs) about the putin's mom thing oh my god no i don't know that is unbelievable but it is unbelievable I think that the, I mean, okay, so that's unbelievable. And that's like stupid and shitty. And like, I think it is fair to say that she just wanted an excuse to like put on makeup and get in front of her camera to like post a video. However, (laughs) however, let's dig a little deeper here. And also like on some level, she might be making a point that is in agreement with the point that I've been making about like power in femininity and like there is um, a certain strength and like shit starts in the home. It really does. And like, sure. She didn't need to go out and like do all that. Who and, knows like, what his mom's like? <laughs> who knows what his mom's like? Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like abstracting it from the situation, <laughs> like nobody at a time when Russia is invading Ukraine, nobody needs to be like saying to the Russian president, like, I wish I was your mom, but <laughs> we can abstract from that um the larger point of like yeah women do have the like and not just women people in the domestic sphere have the have power and the domestic sphere that space is powerful and you and what you teach to young kids matters I appreciate that you are trying to draw a good conclusion from that video. (laughs) (laughs) I really do appreciate it. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I, again, I, I do, I do take issue with how she went about it. Dumb. (laughs) I, if only his mother had been more loving. <laughs> One small piece of the puzzle, okay? It also matters how, yeah, how people negotiated. Uh, you know? Yeah. Maybe if he hadn't been part of the KGB. You know? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe if NATO wasn't, like, an <laughs> offensive, transgressive, like, <laughs> aggressive 
all the IVEs. Um, yeah. Maybe if the history of the USSR and Russia had been different for the last hundred years, you know, like what? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. On that note, I guess. <laughs> I think the domesticity has a role to play in world politics. Yes. I'll just that's the I conclusion agree. I'll make. I'll agree. I'll agree with that one. <laughs> yeah. We came to an agreement. We came to a thesis. <laughs> it's fake. That's the sad girl. That's like the whole sad girl project, though. Mm-hmm. It's like there's um what's left to do but be sad no no (laughs) that's not it but the sad girl project is all about aesthetic like the aesthetic experience (laughs) (laughs) so i'm just trying to draw multiple conclusions from multiple things that i that is being lobbed at me (laughs) through media (laughs) um what a great season. What a plot twist that I know. Uh, <laughs> just very bizarrely timed. Um, but here we are at the end of the season. So, yeah. and um, more fun stuff coming up. Some girl boss stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Some corrupt ladies stuff sad <laughs> ladies but corrupt ladies too yeah sad and corrupt the sad time. girl either lives either dies a hero <laughs> lives long enough to become dies a sad girl no never mind okay never mind I don't want to go there I was like we're gonna say li- or I was gonna say or lives long enough to become the scammer but the girl boss at the very least yeah yeah I mean it's an interesting intersection between sadness and ambition i guess yeah can they coexist yes they can (laughs) do they lead to destruction sometimes self-destruction yeah yeah we do have (laughs) i am excited we do have a lot of fun stuff planned so like subscribe or whatever you say at the end of these things rate the podcast help the pod people find it you can follow us on instagram send us dms send us comments <laughs> send us emails about what you want to see on the podcast yeah if there's an iconic sad girl oh yeah this is oh, a yeah. uh what is it UGC user generated content. Yes. I don't want to think of any more ideas. (laughs) This is a democratic (laughs) podcast. Like if there's an iconic sad girl that you think that we should talk about, um, let's fucking go. Yeah. Tell us. Let's get on the pod. Come on the pod. Exactly. Or we can, yeah, we can cover the topic for you. Anna Delvey, we cannot give you $10,000, but you can feel free to come on the sad girl syllabus podcast (laughs) for free. Exposure, okay, Anna, you need it. I'm sad girl syllabus, yeah. Okay, there, exposure. Yeah. <laughs> and a stipend of $25. I wish. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay well out there. Stay safe. Stay sad. It's okay to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye, Mary. Bye.